0: One of the hardest things for me as a mom was not always having the answers that's where so often prayer came in and other believers that had children that i could go to and say what do you do what have you done what worked for you and being able then to uh, come together and, and make a a plan that worked because each kid was different
1: as a young mom some of the hardest challenges for me personally have been being okay with making myself vulnerable and not having the answers in front of my kids, and hopefully communicating those shortcomings in a way that they can see as rewarding for their own selves, that I don't have to be perfect. I can try again tomorrow, and I can have the forgiveness and the grace from my parents, and then hopefully, as they grow, see that as a connection to the Lord.
0: Some of the biggest rewards I have experienced is watching my kids from the time they were little grow in their faith and then own their own faith. It wasn't just what they'd been taught, it's what they believed, and and then watching them live it out. And now I get to watch them do that as parents with their kids and my grandchildren also starting to understand their faith and live their faith.
1: My kids are little, so the rewards I'm seeing from them as a mom are so unexpected. You know, one and two, the rewards have been Look at that little personality. Look at the, the, they just told a joke. Daphne becoming four and now five, learning about the Lord and sit down with us at the table in the morning and read the Bible because we're reading the Bible. And I think as they get older, I I can't wait to see what those rewards become. But right now they're just the day-to-day reminders of the simplicity of the love of God. My relationship with the Lord has changed a lot since becoming a mom because I think as an adolescent, you live in a really selfish place. You have your life and your goals and your accomplishments and you're getting to a point and then you have kids. And then you have kids and you understand in a more intimate way the love you have from God. All the things that we need forgiveness for every day that we get from the Lord, in a small way, I get to do that and understand how much He loves me, that He's willing to do all of that for me through all the things I've done my whole life. It's also a cool minute to look at yourself again, but there's the, you know, we're sinful in nature and no one ever had to teach a child how to hit or how to yell or how to do the wrong thing. They just come out doing that. So you get to see that and you're like, oh, that's me. I do that still. I think for me,
0: my character has grown in um, Bible study and once again in prayer. I've been able to share that with my kids. And that's been wonderful too, just to be able to share who God is.
1: That's one of my favorite memories growing up. When you would drive me to practice, you would always share with me what she learned in Bible study that day. I think my character has grown being a mom because I've had to acknowledge that I don't know. And then I had to go find the answers and ask people, you know, learn how to ask for help in an effective way and learn all these things that I needed to learn and it's benefited me in my personal life, not only as a parent, but as a human. The
0: advice I would have for young moms is to get involved in a Bible study, to really get to know who God is, the way it enriches your life and the way you are then able to enrich your family's life comes back just threefold. I also would recommend that you teach your children to pray from early on
1: because it's a gift that they will use their entire life. Advice I have for young moms, because I am a young mom, if I think of a young mom as someone with a newborn, because that's something I've through which I've traversed. My advice for someone with the super littles is that tomorrow still comes. It's something that really got me through just meditating on, this is hard. This is harder than I thought it was gonna be. And it's just time and it seems slow, but you will get through it and it will be okay. And even though it seems like the little bugger's never gonna sleep through the night, he will, she will. <laughs> I would say
0: my advice for older women and older moms would just be be available, be available. Um, be able to not have to multitask. If you can do things together while you're working, but if they're If you sense that you need to pay attention, drop everything and the eye contact. The eye contact is so important because then they know they have been heard and you can really deal with so many more things once you know you've
1: been heard. The thing that I have to say to grandparents that's really just a thank you. I'm raising my kids in an environment where the grandparents are close by which is the richest blessing because there are things that they only want to talk to Grammy about or only want to talk to granddad about. They don't want to tell me. They want to tell their grandparents. They have this robust relationship with you guys that I didn't grow up with that opportunity. And I still wanted to tell my grandparents stuff. So your grandkids love you so much. And the more you can be around for them, they will cherish it.
0: Men and women are created very differently. It says in the Psalms, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We can all support each other and love each other and really glorify who
1: God has made us to be. Motherhood is so very much a community. When I'm the best mom I am, in my own opinion, fragilely said, it's because I have a whole bunch of people supporting me and I'm lucky to have that. But whatever family you have, grandparents, friends, the family you choose, whoever you have around that your children love and help enrich their lives. I'm not a good mom because I'm a good mom. I'm a good mom when I am a good mom because I have other people around me encouraging me and helping me to be that person. I've always thought of the hardest part of becoming a mom and joining the motherhood gang is I always thought as a kid, it's gonna be so hard to always do the right thing. And it never occurred to me that I'm not always gonna know what the right thing is to do. I always saw you modeling the right thing and I think kids see that in their parents and their parents do the right thing and that's what you do. But it never occurred to me that that would be a process to find that. You're you and God gave you your kids and he gave them to you so you could parent them as you. He gave you these kids and it's for a reason. So parent them the way you see them thriving. And don't worry about if that looks like the way everyone else is parenting their kids. Maybe some other good advice for young moms is that there's a lot of us and we're all right here. And if you have a super little, the people who are my age who just got through it, we would love to talk to you about it. We, we've we got our war stories, we wanna hear about it, we wanna share, you know, everyone can learn from all the different age groups and South Beach Church is a cool thing and that we have a really broad spectrum of moms of all stages and there's richness in that and we have all kinds of other ladies that have maybe the thing that will help you so don't be afraid to plug in and send a text and ask for help it's awesome
2: Well, everyone, welcome to South Beach Church, week nine, coronavirus, church online, shelter in place. And as you guys know, it's May 10th, 2020, which is Mother's Day. And so I have the very grand privilege of having my mom here with us at my house to help us kick off the service and to pray with us and just to spend a little time. I wanted to just welcome you guys to study with us later in just a few minutes, but to celebrate today, Mother's Day, each one of us have a mom, each one of us have a mother, and each one of us have a different story within that parental relationship, but God has designed motherhood and fatherhood uniquely different and equally important and so it's mother's day we'll do the same thing on father's day we'll be quarantining still by then i'm not sure and i'll have grandpa joe joe forchette here and we'll go fishing or shoot guns or something something that fathers and dads do but right now it's mother's day and so arla Freshette, this is my mom and she's been my mom now for almost 42 years and uh, she is uh, the mother of my sister aaron uh, La Pearl, also. And uh, we're just so thankful to have you here. So, how are you doing, Grandma Arla? Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you being here with Thank us. You. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go through a few questions and just uh, spend time talking with you. And um, the first, most important question, the question everyone wants to know is what was it like having me as your son? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. That's not not the question everyone wants to know. Not the question everyone wants to know. But, uh, you know, we live in precarious times and everyone has various challenges and God has given families a mother and a father, at least in in a perfect uh, environment. We know, though, statistically that uh, over 50% of homes in America are being raised by not both parents, but one parent, a single mom or a single dad. And, um, and our hearts go out to those families, and we cheer on single moms and single dads. But let me just ask you a few questions. You know, as as far as being a mom, and now you're a mom of two and a grandmother of five, and God has blessed you in that way. And what are some of the challenges? Uh, maybe we'll start with blessings. What are some of the blessings of, of being a mom that uh, God's
3: blessings? Um, I get to. I get to. Grow myself and and see kind of what needs to grow, what needs to change, Mm -hmm. and I get to learn how to love, and um, I just I get (laughs) inspired Mm -hmm. all the time, and Mm -hmm. blessed. I just blessed. Yeah, thoroughly.
2: Absolutely, and um, you know uh, our three little kids are twelve and ten and eight. Mm -hmm. And one thing someone told me as a parent before we had kids was that you're gonna learn so much about God from your kids. And my first thought was, how could I learn anything about God from my kids? They don't know anything, you know? And that's not the, the, the principle. The principle is is that when you see your kids and, and you see yourself, and, that, and therein, I believe, lies the, the great lesson as a parent that you learn through your kids and through looking at yourself and looking to God, and He exposes you. And it's not, not easy being uh, a mom or a dad, especially a mom to a guy like, like me. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, it's a humbling process, you know, being a mom or a dad. Totally. And uh, what are some of the things that you would, you know, maybe just offer to or, or advise, you know, moms these days in, in today's day and age or, or moms and dads or parents or? Mm-hmm.
3: I would say um, invest more quality time mm. versus investing money mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. kids, and um, pray for sure. Pray, yeah. um, believe in them, yeah. <laughs> have patience because mm. kids—they don't know what they're doing either. They have no idea. They've never done this before. So,
2: yeah, and uh, you know, you guys did such a good job. I think I've got lots of memories of uh, more memories of things that we did together than things maybe that you provided for me in that way of monetary gifts yeah. maybe because you guys didn't give me anything cool um but in, <laughs> but uh, but i remember you know the trips mm-hmm. and and i remember you know redeeming uh vacations and events and even your guys's work uh you know uh, pursuits as a young kid it was wrapped around the family we, we were included in that process and mm-hmm. And so I've got those great memories, um, uh, you know, doing things with you guys, and then uh, the way I remember it, which my memory's you know, uh, uh, sketchy at best, mm-hmm. but knowing your, you and Dad's commitment to pray for me. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: Cut. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, knowing your guys' commitment to We're pray, pray for me uh, as just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, my life was so out of control. Yeah. And then when I got <sighs> cut again, just get <laughs> when, <laughs> um, yeah. and I just remember you sharing, you know, your commitment to pray for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah. I just, I thank the Lord for that. And I just think that's very important parents. Whenever parents come to me as a pastor and they say, Hey Luke, I need prayer for my son or my daughter. I just, I smile because I know that that's a good prayer. Mm-hmm. And I know that God hears those prayers. And I know that it's, uh. Not that all prayers aren't good prayers, but I, I'm confident in the prayers of moms and dads for their kids and kids that are wandering or uh, just, uh, you know, exploring and trying to figure out life. and so. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I think I remember when I was most passionate about praying for you. Um, and I wasn't even that strong of a Christian, but I was like, I got to pray. I can't do anything. So I prayed and got heard. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Me too.
2: Quarantine head. All right, this isn't working.
4: <laughs> That's uh, Happy
2: Mother's Day, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, now I've got some announcements to make. I'm just kidding. Okay, no, right. I'm just kidding. Um, no. Yeah, I think, uh, again, just uh, being vulnerable as a, in 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 life i think mm-hmm. that there's no there's no point where you aren't vulnerable or aren't aren't allowed to be vulnerable right. with the lord mm-hmm. and as a grandma or a mom or even as a daughter or as a you know young person or old person and and that's something that we don't we don't like not natural. i don't want to be vulnerable exactly. i want to be strong i want to be you know i want to be can do and i don't want to mm-hmm. fail and i don't want to expose my failures to anybody and and the Lord has given, uh, he, he, the Lord just doesn't like that. Yeah. He wants us to have relationships mm-hmm. that um, that facilitate vulnerability and exposure
4: mm-hmm.
2: and then unconditional grace. Yeah. And I was talking to Noah, my 12-year-old, earlier today, and we were talking about forgiveness and, and how forgiveness, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a word that God come, came up with, you know, forgive. Mm-hmm. It's His word. You know, our world wants justice and eye for an eye and... And, and God's like, let's do something radical. Let's just, how about forgiveness? Okay. And forgiveness is the only thing that allows for real freedom mm-hmm. yeah. and real trust. Yeah. I can just forgive you. I can trust that th- in my own imperfections, and my own mistakes as a mom or a grandma or as a, as a son. And so I just appreciate you and dad showing me that forgiveness and that grace, right. you know, and, uh, and not just showing it to me that I received it, but showing it to me in the way you and Dad would love each other and uh, work through your your situations and your issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, eventually getting to get to the foundation of grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what the world needs today is that uh, you know that okayness with your brokenness. Right.
4: Um,
3: and I think the only way that we were able to even uh, attempt that. Was because we received our own uh, forgiveness and grace, you know, from our past stuff. So,
2: and yeah, as as a mom who is now in her late forties and uh, grandma, we're a little bit older than that. But uh, you know, what what uh, what advice or encouragement can you give to uh, moms and or grandmas or mm-hmm. young moms as they watch their kids again? go through life and, and um, find themselves you know, making their own mistakes mm-hmm. even in adulthood.
3: Yeah. I, I think one thing that um, stands out is for young moms to teach their kids as they're growing up not just about God but to know God, to know Jesus and have an encounter and, and learn of Him but just to meet Him, to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think you guys do a great job with that. <laughs> you do. you amazing. So. I
2: appreciate that. And, and it is, I would agree, you know, teaching your kids Bible verses and truth mm-hmm. is foundational, mm-hmm. but the real labor is to connect your kids to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, once your knower knows, you just, you know, when, you know when, once you see Jesus, you'll never unsee him. That doesn't mean you'll be perfect or your kids won't, you know, uh, flail or fail. Mm-hmm. But, uh, connecting your kids with the spirit
3: you get a taste yeah you're you're in
2: yep uh i have an older sister and uh erin and man i've always looked to erin as um just this kind of model of perfection Mm -hmm. and uh i'm just kind of a train wreck coming in behind her you know and then watching her make the decisions she made uh as a i mean i remember the first um car she bought she saved the money up for it you know and Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I stole my first car. I mean, I can't remember, you know. Uh, you know, just, uh, and so I want to give a shout out to Aaron. Love you. And um, so proud of you and the family you're raising up in Beaverton. And uh, so rad. Um, yeah,
3: she, she went through a lot of stuff in her life and she, she just persevered. And she drew close to God. And she still is close to God. Amen. So, yeah, she's she's a pillar yeah Yeah.
2: absolutely and uh you know we all have perceptions of people and as I said she was you know uh the image of perfection in my eyes because she could just she was just made you know good decisions her her whole life and um but sometimes the decisions that you you know make yourself and the decisions other people make around you Mm -hmm. and you have to work through those things and she has worked through so much and Mm -hmm. um and you and dad you know helping her out and just loving on her unconditional support and I think as, as a mom, and I know it's Mother's Day, I'm not a mom, for sure. And, uh, but as a parent, you know, um, and uh, even Crystal, my wife and I had this conversation earlier today about uh, there's, there's only so much you can do to bubble wrap your kid and to protect him from this world. And the world's even getting, it's getting worse. It's getting crazier. Like, we're about to, like, see our kids launch into the world, and it's worse than it's ever been. And there's just nothing you can do to avoid that except... Um, Rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the good news mm-hmm. of Jesus, that He can take you right where you're at. Mm-hmm. He can He can love you through wherever you're at, and He can make you into the person He wants you to be. And mm-hmm. uh, as a parent, there's great um, there's great confidence in that. Yeah. There's you know, peace. There yeah. has to Rest. be. And again, I, I just experienced that from you and Dad so much mm-hmm. when I moved away to college, and mm-hmm. and I just sensed you guys, you know, uh, trusting the Lord more than yeah. more than anything. And I still to this. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. processing mm-hmm. those emotions, going, you know what? If, if anybody should come down to Ashland right now and grab me by the ear mm-hmm. and throw me in the back of their car and take me home, it's my parents. Should, I'm out of control. Mm-hmm. And you guys never did that, <laughs> uh, you know. And and I, but I just remember as a 19 year old re- rebel mm-hmm. processing that. Mm-hmm. And now, in retrospect, 21 years later, it was because you guys had chosen to trust the Lord more yeah. than your ability to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that that's just, that's it. it's an honor mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's an honor to his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And it allows you peace in the midst of, it's, it's like the prodigal yeah. father. Mm-hmm. When he gave this son his, his inheritance early, and, mm-hmm. he, and his son left. Mm-hmm. And the prodigal father, you know, As difficult as that was, tears in his eyes, he knew, I just gotta trust the process. I'm gonna trust the process. And according to Jesus, when he told that story, the dad wasn't preoccupied when the son came back. The dad was waiting and ready, as if he was trusting in the process. One day, my son, my dead son, he will return. And Jesus was telling the story to illustrate the father's heart um, in, what God can accomplish and does accomplish. And so, I don't know, man, I just uh, want to encourage everyone on this Mother's Day to uh, just a look to the gospel, to the gospel of Jesus, whether you're a mom or a dad, or whether it may be on Mother's Day today, uh, you're watching this video and you're just, you're at home dealing with your own baggage because your situation is not celebratory. There's not, you didn't have a good mom or, or you didn't have a, a good dad, or or there's so much pain in this world. There's moms today that are watching right now that would love to sit next to their son and, and converse, but they've had to they've had to say goodbye early to their kids. And there's just so much pain. There's there's women that are sitting out there right now that would love to have a kid, and you've been trying, and you don't know what's wrong. You don't know, and, and we only honor all of this this thing called life. And so the answer to everybody, though, whether you got no kids or too many kids or you don't know where your kids are, or whatever, wherever situation you're in, Jesus is real, and He's got a plan, He's got a purpose. And even today on Mother's Day, we just wanna thank Him for the, the uniqueness that is womanhood, and the uniqueness that is manhood. It's just so unique. I was having this conversation earlier today that men and women are equal, but they're not the same. Right. <laughs> Completely different. They're equal, made equal in His image, and so different. And that to me is, and, and try and figure that out, good luck. Mm-hmm. You just accept it, okay. Lord, you're, you're really, you're fascinating, you're brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're creative. Okay. And so with that, we just wanna celebrate the moms uh, in our life, the women, uh, the mothers, and really just God's family. And so we're gonna segue now into a time of uh, worship. And I just would encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, mm-hmm just trust the Lord he's the father of all and he's the giver of all good gifts and so I'm gonna ask my mom to pray for us pray for our church and just pray uh, for our time of worship and uh, pastor Ryan's put together another wonderful set for us to just to draw near to God and we're just gonna uh, we're gonna seek the Lord together so mom would you pray appreciate that
3: Jesus Lord uh, we are just so thankful for who you are and that you have invaded our lives. And we just thank you for what you do and how you love us. And uh, I just thank you that you allowed me to be a mom of a couple of great kids, beautiful kids. You're just amazing. And I just pray for South Beach Church and actually for all the churches in Newport and Lincoln County, just that... um, everybody is drawing closer to you during this uh, crazy coronavirus time. It's doing something to all of us and it's causing us to uh, see what's real and what's, what's important. And I just pray for Luke and Crystal and the, and the family and just the whole South Beach uh, staff that they would all be led of you and hear you, and be anointed, and walk in your love. And I just thank you for caring for us, loving us, redeeming us, in Jesus' name. In
2: Jesus' mm-hmm. name, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen, love you, Mom, and uh, thank you for loving Jesus. And really, um, before we go to worship, I'm always texting my mom and dad, and one of the highest compliments that I give to them in true appreciations is that they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. They really do, yeah. and they're not perfect, and so I can't I can't congratulate them and, and, and celebrate their perfection. But I can congratulate and celebrate and draw from their devotion to Jesus. And so, moms, dads, uh, if nothing else, if you can't provide what you want to provide for your kids, just love Jesus, mm-hmm. love them with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be that witness. Mm-hmm. Be that demonstration of God's grace, not God's perfection. You can't display God's perfection. You can display His grace though. And if you've been failing, if you've been sinning, if you've been coming up short, you've just been a despondent dad or an absentee mom or overbearing or any sort of mistake, hey, join the club. And the answer is to show your kids grace by receiving it first and then giving it to them freely. Be forgiven, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, you won't yourself be forgiven. So be forgiven yourself, forgive yourself, get grace. And then give it to your kids, and let that be your your inheritance that you give to your children, an eternal inheritance. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to a time of worship now. Now God's going to bless us. We're going to connect with Him deeply. So God bless you. We'll be right back in just a few minutes into Nehemiah chapter three. God bless you guys. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone, I hope you guys had a great time worshiping the Lord and connecting with him. And I hope your heart was filled and your soul was restored and your vision directed and hopefully even possibly your steps corrected. And the Bible says that as we behold him, that is looking at him with the veil being removed, that is we can see, we see God, we see Jesus. The Bible says we're being transformed from glory to glory. That is that right now in this thing called life, you're being transformed. And you might not be so necessarily aware of that transformation as is the Lord is committed to that transformation. You can't see the change. Just like I can't see the change. Occasionally, I'll see somebody I haven't seen in four, five, six, seven, or eight years and they'll look at me like this. And they'll say, where did you get all that gray hair? And I'm all, where'd you get all that gray hair? <laughs> so I'm like, And they see a change because it, but it's gradual for me. And the reality is, here's my point. God's changing you right now. I I promise you, you're you're in the, the wine press right now of change. Things are being worked into you through the Holy Spirit. Things are actually being worked out of you through the Holy Spirit. And so take your Bibles now and turn to Nehemiah 3 for our time of encouragement and study that we would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and His grace. Turn to Nehemiah 3. Now, Nehemiah, again, is found before Proverbs, before Psalms, before Job, before Esther, and then Nehemiah, and then Ezra. So go ahead and find it in that way, Nehemiah 3. And the reason why we're in the book of Nehemiah is because last week we studied Nehemiah 2, and in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah receives new eyes for an old problem. He's got a problem. And right now during coronavirus, shelter in place, all this, man, we got problems, we got issues, challenges, both small and within your own home. And we also have challenges within our communities. And we need to know what a good leader looks like and what challenges might come up in our own life. And I reminded you last week that the verse that inspired me to go into the Old Testament was that verse out of Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4, I'll read it to you one more time says this, for whatever things were written before, Nehemiah three and two, were written for our learning, gonna learn something today, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. So when we read the scriptures, we learn, and then we're able to apply, listen, patience and comfort uh, in our own challenges. Right now your challenges are no joke, they're real. And if you could have some patience and some comfort in your challenges, wouldn't that be awesome? And then you might have the underlying gift, hope. Hope that it's not always gonna be this way, that God's changing you, he's changing things around you as well. One more verse I want you to write down and tuck away and put into your notes is 1 Corinthians ten eleven. Check this out, another Old Testament pointer verse. 1 Corinthians ten eleven says, "'Now all these things happened to them as examples.'" And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Stop right there, Eyes up here. Paul writing to the church at Corinth said, the Old Testament stories were examples so we could be admonished and so that we would have a way to see what God is doing in our own life. Isn't it awesome when you can see a principle exemplified or demonstrated in somebody else's life? It gives you hope. It gives you purpose, because you can look at your own life right now and say, oh man, oh man, oh man, what's going on? And when you see the life of King David, or, or Moses, or Saul, or, or, or Jethro, or, or Deborah, when you see these stories, you're like, oh, I can relate to, that's why I love, I love the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, because of the stories that are within the Old Testament, which demonstrate and illustrate Two primary things. Number one, who God is, okay? It's the primary necessity of mankind is to discover who God is. And and the secondary, again, conclusion we get from God's word is who we are. And when we know who God is, only then can we really understand who we are. We're failable creatures. We're imperfect. We're uh, finite, not infinite, and we have problems. And yet our God knows all. Our God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a power, he has a way, he's doing stuff right now. So check this out, pay attention Bible students. Nehemiah 3, at first read, can be uh, come to you this list of names and arbitrary locations and unimportant events. Check this out, there is no arbitrary names or unimportant events or locations in the Bible. And in Nehemiah 3, Nehemiah describes the building process of Jerusalem and he goes through and he recounts and recalls because he's a record keeper and he's gotta submit some data to the king of what he did and he recalls the build process. And in chapter three, as he recalls and recounts the, the build process and goes stone by stone and gate by gate, we see therein an example. Check this out. from a drone vantage point of the gates around Jerusalem, listed in order, but God in his provision, his sovereignty, and in his brilliance has also tucked away, I believe, a pattern, an example, listen, of the Christian journey from the very first day you get saved through all the gates of life until the very day you die. It's illustrated as an example. It's really fascinating. So I'm gonna take you quickly through the gates of Jerusalem boring, you might think, but you're going to find nothing is boring with the Lord. As a matter of fact, you know what's boring? You're boring. I'm boring. The Lord is not boring. Isaiah 55 says, your ways aren't my ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Y'all boring. Y'all basic. But God, man, he's fantastic. So check this out. Nehemiah 3. And let me make sure you understand one more principle. Ezra It's another example book, the book before Nehemiah. And it speaks of the rebirth, the regeneration, getting saved, yeah. Nehemiah speaks of rebuilding. That is, what do we do now that we're saved? And if you're like me, you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And like me, you're still here breathing. And you're still working out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's days that are banner days. We call them Facebook post days, the days you post on Facebook because it's fun, good days. Then there are other days, man, this is hard. You have no energy, you have no insight, you have no drive because it's just difficult days. Those are the scrolling Facebook days. And the reality is no matter where you're at in your build process, God is working all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose so if your hope is in heaven, your hope is in the things of Jesus, we're gonna find great insight today in Nehemiah 3. Uh, Check this out. God's rebuilding us right now. Let's look at verse one. I'm just gonna read it, make some commentary, we'll be done. It says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, he rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they built the sheep gate, and they consecrated it and hung its doors, and they built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it, and then as far as the tower of Hennonil, Next, verse two, Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri built. Stop right there. Oh, there's gonna be so many names. Like 38 different people are named in chapter three. And I'm gonna butcher every single one of their names because they're all crazy names. And I love the fact that Nehemiah, the book's called Nehemiah, is it not? It's Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nebo. It's all about him. Eh, it's not. Nehemiah's one man. And yet right away we see the incorporation that this isn't a one-man show. The church of Jesus Christ can't be built by one Paul or one Peter or one Mary, but instead it's the whole host. And I believe that's what God is doing here during coronavirus. Churches are not allowed to gather and watch pastors preach and worship leaders lead, but instead the church has been scattered. And God wants Eliashibs and sons of Icar and Imri and you and me and everybody to do our part to build. And, And as I go through this list, I'm going to keep reading the names. I almost don't want to read every verse because some of the verses are just boring and not insightful. But that's not true. These men and women are the reason that the walls of Jerusalem were built in 52 days. I don't know if you know that. Did you know that the walls were down for over 100 years? But when the men and women, everyone did their part, 52 days in the walls were built. Guys, I can't do it all, nor do I want to nor do I want my staff to. But if you would ask God to give you that burden and then respond by volunteering, you and I can build God's kingdom here on earth for His glory, for others good, with the little lives we're living. As hard as your name might be to remember and or pronounce, just like mine, just like these guys and gals here, God wants to use us all. Now, the first gate we see mentioned right here in verse one is the sheep gate. It's the first gate, it's the sheep gate. So important is the first gate because where you begin is also where you end. And Jesus Christ himself said, I, listen, am the door or gate of the sheep. John 10, he said, I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. It's all about relationships with sheep and shepherds and God and Jesus and his way is the only way. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And let me just say this before moving on. It starts with Jesus. Not only did Jesus say that he's the gate of the sheep, the sheep gate, the door of the sheep, Jesus also said of himself that he was the lamb of God. That is the sacrificial lamb, the main sheep. I believe this gate is mentioned first because the most important thing about you is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing about you. And if you don't begin with that gate, you haven't begun at all. I know people who go to church and do not care for Jesus Christ, and they have missed the gate. Jesus said in John 10, anybody else who tries to get into church apart from him, is a thief and a robber. You gotta go through the door. You can't climb in some other way. I'm gonna say it again. I know people who go to church who care not for Jesus Christ. They like church. They like singing in the club and being a part of something. Earlier today, just a few minutes ago, I was thinking about my own relationship with Jesus Christ. And I could accidentally think about all the stuff I do for Jesus. And Jesus kind of, just a few minutes ago, said, Luke, I want you to do everything you're doing, but I want you to do it with me. I'm the most important thing about everything you do. And without me, you have nothing. The sheep gate, the sheep gate. It starts at the sheep gate because where you start will ultimately be where you'll end. And you'll see in the very final verse of this chapter, it ends at, check this out, the sheep gate. It begins and ends with Jesus Christ. And until you figure out who Jesus Christ is, man, start there. Don't dismiss him. Don't just chalk him up with some other rabbi or some other leader or some other guru or good guy. Jesus Christ, by his own confession, said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ was crucified for he made himself equal with God. He is God. And when you realize him as such, you bow the knee, you open up your heart, and you actually begin to live your life. Now, when you begin to live your life, this is so fun, when you see Jesus, and those of you who are tracking with me, you've seen Jesus, you know that he is the Alpha, the Omega, the Senior Pastor, the Great I Am, he's it, the beginning and the end, he's all that. You know that he then takes your life and begins to change it and use it. You who are discovering that today, all oh, get gets so exciting. As soon as you give your life to Jesus, let's look at the next gate, look at verse three. It says, also the sons of Hasanna, well, man, those guys must have been crazy, they built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with the bolts and bars. and next to them, merry moth, man, those guys are happy. bunch of merry moths. The son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, they made repairs next to them, and Mashulum, the son of Baraka and the son of Meshisabel, they made repairs next to them, Zadok, the son of Banana, <laughs> they made repairs. And stop right there. I skipped that gate first on the free on purpose. And I want to go back to it now. The sheep gate leads immediately to the fish gate. The fish gate. Because Jesus Christ takes you right where you're at and he changes you into becoming, listen, a fisher of men. The fish gate. Jesus looked at the four disciples there as they were on the Sea of Galilee and he said, leave the nets, leave the boats, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus Christ said in Acts 1-8, you shall receive power and go and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the world. Jesus, here's the whole point. Why'd you get saved? Why are you saved now? It's to enjoy the the sheep gate, Jesus, the the Lamb of God, in such a way where you become a fisher of men. Did you know your whole purpose in life isn't about you? There's two commandments, the greatest of all, love God and love others. Be a witness to your fellow brother and sister. Your life isn't about you. If you're trying to make your life enjoyable, make sense, full, and you're living only for your own self-interest, it's never gonna do it. But instead, once you realize that you have been saved through the sheep gate, Jesus Christ, and now you're going to go fishing. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is 2 Chronicles 16.9. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, that God might find that person whose heart is loyal towards him, that God might show himself strong on their behalf. What does that mean? It means that God is looking for men and women, he's just looking for them right now, that he would be able to use as fishermen, as fishers of men, as moms and dads who would raise their kids in Jesus' name, as moms and dads who would volunteer to church and teach Sunday school in Jesus' name, as moms and dads and men and women who would go to work and represent not their own mini kingdom, but the kingdom of God in all that they do. First Corinthians ten thirty one. whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Let me just ask you this question right now, would you do that? Would you become his fisherman? Would you leave whatever it is you're pursuing on your own for your own benefit, small, earthly, temporal benefit, and say, Lord, I'm gonna run my business for you. I'm gonna raise my family for you. I'm gonna enjoy my life, my freedom, my health, and whatever it is you have, it's a gift for you. Become a fisher of men. Well, check this out. Look at verse five. It says, next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Stop right there. I was up here. Just a quick note. It's not a gate. But Nehemiah records. Everyone's working. Working, working, working. The the, the Tekoites come up and they start working. But their nobles, they stayed back. We ain't doing it. This Nemo character wants to build the wall. Whatever. Listen to what it says. Verse 5. I want to read it to you again. It says next to them, the Tokoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Here's my point, it's scary actually. The wall's gonna get completed, it's a miracle. And the Tokoite nobles, I don't even know who they are, go on record, it's on record that they didn't do nothing. (laughs) Oh no. Dudes, listen, there's a warning from Jesus himself. He said, I'm gonna give talents, I'm gonna give measures of, of investment abilities to people. And I want you to go do stuff. And if you don't do stuff with what I've given to you, if you waste your life, not by sin and chaos, but you just don't do anything for me, you blew it. You blew it. See, there are sins of commission. We commit sins. Man, we know it. We, we got it. We figured it out. Then there are sins of omission. That is a sin that you didn't do what you were supposed to do. These co-white nobles, on record, Nehemiah's writing it down. He's like, oh, oh yeah, remember the nobles? Yeah, they didn't show up. Hmm, write that down. Dude, if any, if any of you need a reason to get in the game, okay, you not being in the game of living your life for Jesus Christ, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, to the glory of God, it's being written down. Okay, take it up with the boss. Take it up with the boss. Look at verse six. You gotta keep going here. Moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besoida, they repaired the old gate, and they laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. The old gate. It starts at the sheep gate, and you get saved. Jesus says, now that you're saved, let's go fishing for men, and you begin to witness and share and attempt great things for God and expect great things from God, and you start a life group, and you start witnessing to your coworkers, and you start raising your kids, and the very next gate is the old gate. This gate refers to the foundation of God's word. The old principles, they don't change. As a matter of fact, if something is new, it's probably not true. And if something is true, it's definitely not new. It's the old gate, the foundation. And I'm gonna just be honest with you, when you start fishing for Christians, you start trying to witness to people, they're gonna ask you good questions that will drive you to the old gate. That is the foundation. They will ask you questions that make you uncomfortable. Well, if God's so loving, then why is there an eternal hell? Oh, that's a good question. Well, if God's so strong, can he make a rock so big that even he can't lift it? Oh, that's a dumb question. You know, the questions will come up and you're going to be forced. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Where are you going to get your answers from? The old book. My pastor, Mark Anderson, when he first started studying and reading the Bible seriously as a student, would use a pencil And whenever he would have a question, like, I don't know what that means in in, in life or in the Bible, he would take a pencil and put a question mark right next to it. And then as life went on, he would grow and learn and get answers. He would take that pencil and he would turn it upside down, eraser, take those question marks away. Okay, you're gonna have questions. It's okay. Go to the foundation, the old gate Get the answers from God's word. Right now, maybe you're struggling with all kinds of issues. We have so many questions in our day and age. There's questions about abortion. There's questions about marriage. There's questions about eternity. There's questions about the church. There's there's questions about sin. All those questions, okay? Find the answers in the old gate. You've been saved at the sheep gate. You're now fishing. You're getting challenged. You're gonna go to the old gate. Now check this out, this next gate. I'm glad it's here because it's real life, but I wish it wasn't here because it makes life kind of messy. Keep, keep reading with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read all these names because they're important. And next to them, Meteta, Meteta, mela, mela, that guy. Number seven, the Gibeonite, Jaden the Maranathaite, and the men of Gibeah and Mizpah, they repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Hararar, one of the goldsmiths made repairs. And also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers. These guys smelled good, made repairs, and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to him, Raphaah he was one of the fifth Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the son of Hur leader of the half of the district of Jerusalem he made repairs and next to him Jediah the son of Haramoth whatever made repairs in the front of his house and next to him Hattush the son of Hashbaniah <laughs> made repairs and Malchijah the son of Haram the Hashab. And Hashab the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section as well as the Tower of the Ovens. I like the Tower of the Ovens. It was right next to Starbucks and Ultralife. And we got some bagels coming out of there for sure. You know the Tower of the Ovens are making bagels. Verse 12. Next to him was Shulam, Shashulam, the son of Halohesh, leader of the half of the district of Jerusalem. And he had daughters. Him and his daughters made repairs. I like that. Verse 13. Next gate. And Hanan. We got a little alarm going on in the background. We're just gonna let that go. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa, they repaired the valley gate and they built it and hung its doors within its bolts and bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Stop right there and eyes up here. The next gate is the valley gate. First, you're saved at the sheep gate and you're fishing because that's what Jesus wants you to do. And after you're fishing, you're driven to the old gate, so you can understand the foundational principles of God's word. But the next gate so succinctly comes along perfectly, it's the valley gate. That is the valley, the lows, the depths, the tests and the difficulties. For as you Christians know, in life, it's not all mountain peaks, but it's also valley lows. And it's gotta be this way. Because it's in the valley lows, the challenges in the tests. Listen, that our hearts are fertile soil for what God wants to do in us so he can do his work through us. And it's only in the valley gates, the deep, dark, difficult times that he has our full undivided attention. On the mountaintop, we're distracted by so many other things. And God allows us and even leads us to the valley of the shadow of death, that we might learn things that we would never learn any other place. And maybe you're a Christian right now and and you're in a valley and you're trying to figure out, what am I doing here? How do I get out of here? The Bible says in Psalm 23, that God prepares even in the valley before us, a, a table in the presence of our enemies, that he anoints our head with oil, that goodness and mercy follow us even in the valley Guys, valleys come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, don't they? I find myself creating my own valleys from time to time. I'll do something dumb and end up in a valley, a difficult time. I created it myself. I'm actually pretty good at that. Then there are other valleys that other people create for me. I don't like those valleys. Somebody does something to me that just, man, sends me down into the dumps and I have to deal with those valleys as well. Then there are other valleys. It's not my fault. It's not their fault. It just is. And I believe that God takes whatever flavor, shape, size, and purpose of the valleys that you find yourself in and he accomplishes his perfect work. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but God wants to do a deeper work in me. Maybe you're in a valley right now. You just, I mean, you keep blowing it. Stuff, stuff's coming out, Stuff, stuff's not working right. Check this out, the very next gate. As a matter of fact, in this progression, there's only one verse and I'm at that verse right now that actually shares two gates in one verse. It says right here, verse 13, Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate and they built it and hung its doors within its bolts and bars and they repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. For some of you reading that old King James Bible, that old King Jimmy, you know what it says right there. It doesn't say refuse gate. It says dung gate. And for those of you Greek students out there and want to know what Greek and Hebrew, what that word gate means, it means the poop gate, <laughs> that's what it means. This is the, nah, sorry about that. It's Mother's Day, I know I should be talking like that, but I'm a son and you know, I feel like a little kid sometimes. Anyways, listen, this is the refuse gate, the dung gate. it's the poo gate. This is the gate that they would take all of the refuse outside of Jerusalem, get rid of it, man. I find it so perfect, this example, you're saved, you're not just saved to sip but you're saved to serve and you're serving, you're fishing and you're fishing. You better go to the old gate and find out what God has said in his word and then you're gonna find yourself being tested in the valley gate. And when you are tested, maybe that's right now, you know what happens? Stuff comes out of you, gunk. The stuff, you say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. You look at things you shouldn't look at. You think things you shouldn't think. All of this happens in your cycle of life. What do you do with those things? Listen, you go to the refuse gate, get rid of it. You confess those sins. You, you, you dump them at the feet of Jesus. If you confess your sins, the Bible says he is faithful to forgive you. That's what he's gonna do if you confess your sins. Guys, the, one of the greatest privileges of being a Christian is knowing that you can confess your sin and be forgiven. This is crazy. This is a commodity that the world knows not of. You can't go to the judge in municipal court here in Newport and say, hey, you know what? I just wanna confess my sin and like, be sorry. And can you guys forgive me? <laughs> they don't know that. They don't have that resource of forgiveness. It's not theirs to give. Did you know you can go to God with the most heinous of crimes and sins that you commit in the valley? You can go to Him, this is Christianity, and you can confess your sins to Him and the Bible says he's actually paid for them with the blood that was spilled from Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I will be sure to not even remember your sins. The Bible says he will take your sins and he will hide them as far as the east is from the west. There's no East Pole. There is no West Pole. There is no axis point where they meet. North and South Pole, we've got that. God says, I'm gonna hide it in infinity. You can be forgiven today. All the stuff that's coming out of you, all the junk. You're you're in a valley. I'm in a valley because there's stuff that God sees you'll be better if that stuff comes out. Are you imperfect? Do you have perversions and brokenness? Do you think contrary and differently to God's word? Do you act contrary to the character of God? The answer is yes. And here's the choice now. You actually don't have a choice. The answer is yes, you are all those things and more. The choice though, will you go to the refuse gate? Will you confess your sins to the Lord? He's faithful and just to forgive you if you do. And he doesn't just leave you there. This progression of the gates continues. And the list of names are written for us. Verse 14, Malkijah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth-Hakarim, repaired the refuse gate. And he built it and hung its doors and bolts and bars and then Shulam, the son of koh leader of the district of Mizpah, verse 15, repaired the fountain gate. And he built it and he covered it and he hung its doors with its bolt and bars and repaired the wall of the pool of Sheila or Shiloh or Siloam by the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. Stop right there, eyes up here. Oh, glorious day. The next gate, directly after the valley gate, directly after the refuse gate, man, these two gnarly gates, is the fountain gate. The fountain gate speaks of the renewal, of the refreshing, times of refreshing from the Holy Spirit, where He fills you with new peace and new joy, new cleanliness, how? At the pool of Siloam, the same pool mentioned in John chapter nine, this is the same pool 500 years before Jesus, where Jesus saw the blind man who was born that way and He, Spit in the mud and made mud and put it upon his eyes. Man, how gross. Just like your refuse is gross. And how irritating. The sin in his, eye, ah, ah, man. And Jesus said, go wash in the same pool. And he washed and he was healed. The Lord wants to wash you and heal you. He wants to set you free, give you new vision, new sight, new purpose at that fountain gate. Guys, I've been learning this and we'll continue to learn it that is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not about you, not about your prowess or your insight. It's about your ability to let the Holy Spirit overwhelm you and use you, to fill you with power. Jesus said, you will receive power and then be my witnesses. Do you need a new dose of the Holy Spirit today? Is that where you're at? You're very well familiar with the Valley Gate and the Refuse Gate, man. You got a hotel there, you got an apartment complex. What you need, though, is a new, fresh dose of the Holy Spirit. And the next gate, after the fountain gate, after this new, fresh filling of power from the Holy Spirit, I'm going to read these names, man. Buckle up. I don't want to miss anybody. You know why? I'm going to read these names. I just want you to understand this. Because everybody counts. You count. You who are believers, you will be in heaven with me, sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, casting down your crowns, worshiping him, these men and women I read now will be there with us. We'll be there with them. Verse 16, after him, Nehemiah, a different Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, leader of the half district of Beth Zor, made repairs as far as the place of the tombs of David and the man-made pool as far as the house of the mighty and after him, the Levites under Rehom the son of Bani, made repairs. Next to him, Hashbiah, leader of half the district of Kaliah, made repairs for his district. And after him, their brethren under Bavai, the son of Henadad, leader of the other half of the district of Kaliah, they made repairs. In verse 19, next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent of the armory at the buttress. The buttress, again, is the corner where the wall would continue around. After him, Baruch. The son of Zabai carefully repaired the another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. And after him, merry mouth, these happy guys, the sons of Urijah the son of Koz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib, and after him, the priest and the men of the plain, they made repairs, and after him, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs opposite their house, and after them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs by the house. By the way, it's Mother's Day. You moms out there who are expecting babies right now, there are a whole slew of names in here that ain't nobody using for their kid. If you're trying to be unique and kind of cutting edge, man, just go ahead and pick a name here and name your kid that. Anyways, verse 23, after him, oh, we read that verse, verse 24, after him, by Nui. <laughs> The son of Henadad repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress, even as far as the corner. And Palau, the son of Uzai made repairs opposite the buttress and on the tower which projects from the king's upper house that was by the court of the prison. And after him, Padiah the son of Parash, made repairs. Verse 26. Moreover, the Nethanim, who dwelt in Ophill, made repairs as far as the place in front of the Watergate, toward the east and the projecting tower. The Watergate, the Watergate. This is where Richard Nixon got saved, at the Watergate. I'm just playing, those of you who are young, like, who's Richard Nixon? And Everyone else knows it's just a corny joke. The Watergate, the Watergate. It comes right after the Fountain Gate. And you got this new freshness of the cleansing of the power of the Holy Spirit and forgiveness of your sins. You know what you need now? Water, the water of God's Word. The water of God's Word. Get back to the Word, a new appetite for God's Word. You started out strong, did you not, when you were fishing at the old gate and just got saved? Man, wasn't that fun when you were devouring God's Word? But then a few trips to the valley, a few trips to the refuse gate, man, it just knocks it out of you. And the Holy Spirit will anoint you even now to so not just be filled with the Holy Spirit, which you should and are, but to go back to the water gate, the water of God's word, to be cleansed in His word, to have a new thirst, a new new desire for His word. You who especially have been walking with the Lord for a little bit now, maybe wondering, what's going on, what am I doing? I don't seem to be as peppy or as fresh or excited about the things of God, okay? You know what you need to do? You need to soak in His word. Get those old wineskins soaking. An old wineskin would burst with new wine. It's just a principle. But you could actually renew an old wineskin. And the way you would renew an old wineskin is by soaking it in water. Soak it in water. Guys, we've been doing the five by five reading program. We're in Matthew right now, Matthew 26. And after Matthew 26, 27 and 28, we're gonna start Romans chapter one next week. And I wanna encourage you, man, just do whatever you gotta do to get into God's word. The Watergate. The Watergate. Now, stop right there, Isaac. I'm gonna close with these thoughts because I believe this is the example of the Christian journey. There's nothing new under the sun. You get saved through Jesus Christ. He incorporates you and employs you to then serve him as a fisher of men. You need to understand what God has said of himself so you can tell others about him in his word. Man, you're gonna to go to the valley. There's gonna be some refuge. You need the power of the Holy Spirit through the fountain gate, and you stay in God's word. That cycle never stops over and over and over. I've been doing this now for 20 years and it never stops. What does the Lord want for Luke Frichette right now? Well, He wants me to be a fisherman. He wants me to go out with purpose, to see other people as better than myself, to see people as those in need of a savior. He wants me to go to the scriptures and to learn. He wants me to be a student, not just a teacher. He wants me, listen, to go to the valley to walk through that valley with him. He wants in that valley the things to be exposed in my life. There are things in Luke Frechette's life that need to be exposed. Ah, I don't want that to happen, but he wants it to. So they can come out of me, so we can work into me greater things through the power of the Holy Spirit, so I can continue that cycle. Now, at one time though, eventually, sooner than later, everything that we know will be disrupted and interrupted with the next three gates. We don't know when, We don't know how, but as we've been studying the book of Revelation, we are awaiting the return of the king, where Jesus Christ himself will come down and with a shout, come off here, take his bride to himself. Until then, we stay busy with those gates, but let's just study now prophetically the gates to come after the water gate. Verse 27, after them, the Tekoites, they repaired another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Verse 28, beyond the horse gate. The priest made repairs, each to his own house. The priest, the priest, the priest are now working. The priest. On the horse gate, the priest, the high priest, the great high priest, coming on a horse. Revelation 19, 11 says that Jesus Christ, the great high priest, the savior, the conquering king will one day return on a white horse. The horse gate, we're waiting for this next gate to happen. We're gonna stay busy with these other gates we've studied but one day, not too far from now, Jesus Christ will descend. Verse 29, what will he do when he descends? And after him, Zadok, the son of Emer, made repairs at the house, in front of the, his own house. After him, Shemiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate made repairs. This Jesus Christ, as prophesied in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Isaiah will return and he will set his feet upon the Mount of Olives (laughs) and there will be an earthquake. And the Bible says that the gates, that is the Eastern gate will be split in two and come wide open and in will come the King of glory. On the horse, just like it says here. Jesus is coming one day. And he's gonna split that eastern gate wide open, which you guys know in Israel today is sealed up until this point. And when Jesus comes, what's he gonna do? What's gonna be his agenda, his plan? The East Gate, verse 30. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zayaph, man, repaired another section. And after him, Meshulam, the son of Barakah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. Listen, verse 31. And after him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the Nethanim and of the merchants in front of the Mifkad gate and as far as the upper room and the corner. Stop right there, eyes up here. Two more gates. This final gate, the Mifkad gate. Some of your translations have different renderings. The actual meaning of this Mifkad gate is the judgment gate. Hmm. This whole progression ends with a horse and an eastern gate and the judgment seat. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ himself will judge every single person for their works. He'll judge every single person based on their faith and who they had their faith in. He will judge and he's the only one worthy of doing that. Did you know you're not a very good judge? Because you're just, you're mean and you're weird and you don't know anything. Oh wait, I was just talking to myself. But but you're the same as me. I'm mean, I'm weird and I don't know anything. I can't judge you, I can barely judge myself. Jesus Christ is not weird. He's not mean and he knows all and he one day will come and it is his job. Acts 17 says that that job has been given to him. He is the judge of all and he will judge heaven and earth at the Mifkad gate, the inspection gate. And he will burn away all of your works with the fire of his eyes and everything that remains that is precious stones and precious metals will be to his honor and his glory. And everything that's foolish and weird and wrong burned away. Guys, this is both a warning for those getting out of their lane, for those not aware that there is a judgment to come. There's a judgment to come. It's not just here. This matters. It all matters right now. The kingdom of God is coming. But you can trust Jesus. Trust Him today. Trust Him right now. You who are believers, trust Him and serve Him. You who are not sure. Bible says in Psalm 34, eight, oh, taste and see Ooh, that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who trusts in him. The last gate, the final gate, I lost my place. in Nehemiah three after the Mifkad gate is in verse 32. And between the upper room at the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. It started with the sheep gate and it ends with the sheep gate. And it says here in verse 32 that at the sheep gate, the goldsmiths made repairs. (sighs) There is no one more merciful and kind than Jesus Christ. He is so merciful and kind that he'll call you to himself as you are. (laughs) All messed up. All wacky. All weird. He'll call you right to himself. And yet he's so merciful and kind that he'll love you just as you are but He loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He truly wants to do a work in you. He wants to change you from the man that you are to be a better man. He wants to change you from the woman that you are to be a better woman. He loves you just the way you are. He made you fearfully and wonderfully made, unique in His image, yeah. Faulty though and sinful and broken. And so Jesus calls you to the sheep gate where the repairs are made. And He's fixing your character right now. He's fixing you from the inside out with unconditional love, unconditional grace, unconditional commitment. He loves you just the way you are. But He is, listen, ever committed to the process of changing you. That's good news, folks. Right now at South Beach Church and whatever church you go to and wherever you live, you can rejoice that God is, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I hope you're encouraged right now in God. You might not be encouraged in the economy or with the coronavirus, and with so many, there's so much discouragement out there. Is there not? But we find our encouragement in the Word of God, in the example that He's given to us that we might find comfort and patience and hope. I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your word, your simple word that changes lives, that Lord takes us right where we're at and gives us exactly what we need and takes us where we need to go. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that now as we've read your word and studied it, that your Holy Spirit would fill us with that fountain of encouragement that newness of life, like that man received for, as he went to the pool of Siloam and washed, Lord. And he came back seeing differently. Would we see differently? Maybe you're here listening right now. You're watching, I don't know what day. Maybe it's Sunday morning. Maybe it's five years from now. I don't know. But if you need to see differently, you just need to, you need to see differently. You need a Holy Spirit refresher course right now. Would you right now humble yourself and just raise up your hand, and say, yeah, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit. I need a refresher course. I need to see differently. I'm in a valley right now. Oh, man, there's refuse everywhere, I need help. If that's you, just raise up your hand. Lord, you see, would you just download, Lord, times are refreshing from the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name, do that, Lord, we pray. You can put your hands down. And I wanna give you an opportunity who are being drawn to the Lord right now by His Holy Spirit to give your life to Him and to be saved, forgiven of your sins, to relinquish the rights to your own life, to live now for His glory and for His kingdom to let him use you as a fisher of men. If that's you right now, would you just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you, my new king. Help me to deny myself the rest of my life. Help me to live for your kingdom and not my own. And take me to heaven when I die. And until then, Jesus, help me to keep my eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing during this coronavirus. Again, this is week nine. I'm not sure how much longer we have uh, sheltering in place, but the gospel can't be chained. Nothing can stop Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Jesus promised, I will build my church. And just a few verses later, he declared, I'm gonna go to the cross and I'm gonna die. Not death, nor life, nor up, nor down, nor anything created can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So we have so much hope. So much joy, so much purpose. So church, be the church. God has you right where you're at for a reason. No matter what valley you're in, no matter what season you're going through, you're right where you need to be. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All of our stuff's available online to connect with us. Brand new website, southbeachchurch.org. Email us at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. We love you guys. Make sure to share this video, comment in all the comment bars. Let us know what's going on in your life. Hashtag in this together. God bless you guys. I miss you. We'll see you on the other side. Until then, don't forget, Jesus is real. God bless you and amen.